Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Welcome back to the BitCast. A few months ago, I did an episode for A Hat in Time, and I loved the game. So ever since I played it, I started trying to keep up with some of the news about it. Back in August, Gears for Breakfast, the developers, released a trailer for the game's first DLC, other than the mod workshop, called Seal the Deal. This DLC is said to be free for Kickstarter backers, as well as the people who download within the first 24 hours on September 13th, today. Afterward, it will be available for purchase for roughly $5 in US money measurement. You know, $4.99 US dollars. Now this Seal the Deal DLC is said to be for the PC version of the game. There's no sign of whether or not it'll be added to the console version of A Hat in Time, but I feel like they will do it eventually. It's just that the PC version kind of gets priority because that was how the game was originally released. But what does the Seal the Deal DLC contain? Quite a bit, actually. The biggest addition is an entirely new level, the Arctic Cruise. The premise is that it's a big cruise ship, and all the characters from the other levels are passengers. You've got little baby seals working around as the employees of the ship, and they're not really competent. The captain is this weathered old walrus man, and he conscripts Hat Kid into doing work around the ship for the other passengers. And unlike the Snatcher, it looks like Hat Kid is more than willing to work for the walrus guy. Probably helps that the walrus didn't take her soul, as far as I know. I don't know, maybe the walrus guy is secretly doing necromancy in his basement, for all I know. That'd be a pretty well-hidden character trait, I didn't pick up on any of that in the trailer. Anyway, it's said that the characters in the game's other levels appear at the Arctic Cruise... Mostly the mafiosos from Mafia Town, including the remains of their boss, and the owls and crows from Dead Bird Studio. In the promotional art, behind the walrus, there's this baby version of the conductor running around with a knife. If you look closely at the trailer, you can see the conductor himself at the dock, so I'm going to suspect that the conductor is also one of the passengers, and he brought his baby grandchildren with him. When you first meet the conductor in the studio level, he mentions having grandkids, so that'd be a pretty good attention to detail remembering that trait about him. Beyond doing chores for the walrus, I'm not sure what the storyline of this level is supposed to be. The base game contains plenty of timepieces, and access to certain levels was planned with that in mind, so adding new timepieces from this stage could throw a few things off. I'm not sure yet. I don't think we've seen timepieces in any of the footage of the stage. I do gather that the Arctic Cruise takes place after the other levels, because Mafia Boss looks like he does after you beat him in Mafia Town, and I'm willing to bet that the conductor is already familiar with you. One thing I'm really interested to know is the boss of this chapter. Every world has at least one boss, except for Alpine Skyline. Even then, there was a, a mission that kind of resembled a boss. My money is on the walrus being a boss, because every major character in the game doubles as a boss to be defeated. But who knows, maybe he'll break the trend. There is one part of the trailer where an ominous octopus is operating pistons in the ship's engine room. 
but I don't know how that relates to anything else. Seal the Deal is a wordplay because the Arctic Cruise has seals and the Snatcher has deals. Part of the trailer advertising a mode called Death Wish is the Snatcher from Subcon Forest showing up in Hat Kid's room and he takes over the narration for a bit. Snatcher provides you with a series of side missions you can undertake, which includes remixed versions of other levels and harder versions of boss fights. And we see a lot of that in action. Mafia boss and the Snatcher himself both use more complex attack patterns, and you fight both of the movie directors at once rather than just one or the other. Those are pretty extreme. We didn't see the possessed outhouse or mustache girl, but I'm willing to bet they're included too. Years for Breakfast's YouTube account uploaded a video shortly after this trailer, and it contains the music from the boss montage, and the song, well, I presume that's the name of the song since that's the name of the video, is called Death Wish, which shares the name with the mode itself. It's a really intense song, and it kind of fits the electronic feel of the final boss theme very nicely. It sounds like a Hat in Time's music. If you complete these side quests, Snatcher will reward you with goodies, some of which would have only been available if you got lucky with your tokens. And if you fail any of these, Snatcher will take Hat Kid's soul all over again. I don't know if he's actually going to take her soul or if that's just a fancy way of saying it's a game over. I'm not sure how much of this is canonical and how much is just, hey, let's let Youngtown read the Snatcher's lines in character for the trailer. It doesn't make any sense for Snatcher to be doing all this to Hat Kid, and he can only be asking for all of this after his fight takes place, because he gives Hat Kid her soul back once she beats him, and after the fight, he wants nothing to do with her. He just wants to be left alone, so it's a little out of character for him. I'm wondering how they're going to handle that in the game, because, like I said, it could still just be the actor reading the trailer all dramatically. After the Death Wish part, the trailer talked more about time rifts with the old narrator again. They're going to add new time rifts. In the base game, time rifts were little side pockets where you'd do some platforming challenges and you'd get even more time pieces. In time rifts unique to the different worlds, you could also collect photographs and learn secret lore about each of the stages. With the addition of Arctic Cruise, it makes sense that they'd throw another time rift in there, but it seems like they're going to add six in total, so I'm guessing one specific to Arctic Cruise and then five others. Though, some of the others look really reminiscent of the old stages, instead of just being generic backdrops, so maybe there'll be new lore to discover with the other stages. That'd be kind of interesting. A lot of the popularity of... The Snatcher comes from the lore that you figure out by doing the subcon time rift. The addition of new time rifts is a pretty good thing because you get a chance to use the slot machine after each time rift, and that would be how you unlock new color schemes, hat designs, and song remixes. But you only get one shot at it because the time rift permanently disappears after it's completed. If you didn't get everything you wanted from the slots, you could collect a few tokens, but there weren't enough of those in the game to get everything from the slot machine. So the new time rifts will definitely help make it easier to get everything. 
Snatch's new requests also reward you with some of the things you might get from the slot machine. So they're really covering their bases with one of the original game's shortcomings. Hopefully there'll be enough tokens and Snatch requests to go around because they're adding a lot of new costumes for the Hat Kid. Before you could just alter her color scheme and they called it a day. Those were all the alternate costumes you could get. But now they're giving actual new clothes for her. A few of them are real cool concepts, while a few of them are just references to some of the other characters. There's even one where she's dressed up like Banjo. Oh, way to rub it in over ukulele, guys. The in-game camera also gets a few new filters, so we're getting Super Mario Odyssey up in here. Well, we would if they added a lot more of the crazy ones, but it's a start. There's also a new badge being added, the Nostalgia Badge. Some of the badges in the game are really cool functions, others were just fluff. The Nostalgia Badge is just fluff. It downscales a lot of the graphics to the point where this resembles an N64 game. Really, way to rub it in over ukulele, guys. The game introduces split-screen co-op now. The trailer specifically called that part free DLC and later lists it separately from the seal the deal, so I'm thinking it's going to be its own thing. But as the title says, you can have another player join in the fun with you. I don't do a lot of PC gaming, so I'm not sure how split-screen co-op is supposed to work on a Steam game, but in-universe, you have this other little girl who tags along with a hat kid and you can do all the same stuff as her. I don't think she has a proper name yet. I've seen Ribbon Kid and Bow Kid get thrown around. I don't really know. I'm not too big on her design, if I could be entirely honest. It it's the outfit. She just looks like a normal child. Hat Kid wears a really weird getup, and that kind of matches the game's whimsy, but the new child doesn't really match that. She just... Looks like they they saw a real little girl somewhere and she won a contest and they're going to let her be the design for the Player 2 character. I don't know. It's not a big deal. It's not a bad design. I just don't think it quite fits the style of the game. Either way, I'm not really going to be playing the co-op mode. I kind of have enough of a grasp of the game on my own. And on top of everything else they announced that there will be a Nintendo Switch port of the game. It's about time. This is probably the most Nintendo game to have not been available on a Nintendo console. The interesting thing is that back during development and the release window, Gears for Breakfast insisted that there wouldn't be a Switch port. Now there is one. A lot of work goes into making a game, even something as theoretically simple as making a port. So I doubt that they just changed their mind one day out of nowhere. Granted, the port's release date is unknown, though they did say it would be the near future. I feel like they were intentionally misleading the audience, which is a little bit sketchy. I don't really know if they handled that as best as they could. Or maybe it was just miscommunication. I really wasn't there for a lot of the pre-release stuff. I just started keeping up with the game after I liked it, like a total scrub. Hat in Time is available on Steam, PlayStation 4, and soon the Nintendo Switch. DLC is currently only available for the PC version, and will be free within the first 24 hours of release. So, 
Only for today, if you're listening to this episode on the first day. From the trailer, it looks like it's going to be a lot more of the same hat-in-time goodness we've come to know and love, and a bit extra. I know I'm going to try to pick it up. If you'd like to hear me talk more about the game itself, without all the DLC bells and whistles, then you can just look around on the Podcast One website or on iTunes for my episode of the BitCast titled A Hat in Time. I believe it was somewhere in the 20 range. And I might talk about this again in the future with someone, or maybe do a bit of a debriefing after I've played the DLC myself. Anyway, if you like to keep an eye out for that, just subscribe on Podcast One's website or the mobile app or on iTunes. And I will see you on the next one. Listen to BitCast anytime on podcastone.com and on the Podcast One app.